Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello there, Foo followers. Ben Johnson here, the host of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, reminding you that if you would like to support this show, we have a donations link available. Any spare pennies you may have would be greatly received to help with the upkeep of this show, the website, the social media accounts, and so on. Simply head over to paypal.me forward slash Kung Fu Movie Guide to donate whatever you can. And a huge thank you to any listeners who have supported us over the years. You have our gratitude okay thank you and on with the show well if you're really so determined to have a fight then i'll oblige Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host Ben Johnson, that is me, talking to you from London in the UK, this is episode 84. This is the fifth episode in our new season of podcasts, season 7, and we have Robert Samuels on the show today, aka Bobby Samuels. This was great fun to talk to Bobby all about his career in Hong Kong action movies, the first African-American member of the Hong Kong Stuntman Association, a close personal friend of Sammo Hung. Bobby lived with Sammo for a time and he worked with him on the films The Gambling Ghost in 1991 and Don't Give a Damn in 1995. He met and worked with so many legends from Hong Kong action cinema, including Yen Wu Ping on the 1995 movie The Red Wolf. Uh, Bobby is now a filmmaker and actor back in the USA, He made his feature film directorial debut last year in 2021 with the action comedy Made in Chinatown, co-directing with the Hollywood stunt legend James Liu. That movie is available now to rent and buy on digital platforms. The film features actors from The Sopranos as well as kung fu movie legends like Lo Mang from The Five Venoms and Choi Chi Ling, a Hong kung fu expert probably most famous for his role in Stephen Chow's Kung Fu Hustle. So we do talk a little bit about Made in Chinatown and the people that Bobby met in Hong Kong and his recent projects. It's a great conversation that I do think you'll enjoy and that's all coming up shortly on today's episode. Before we get into that, a quick reminder that as we get closer to the holiday season, Mike Fury and I are now looking ahead and planning our annual end of year show. It's become something of a tradition now for this podcast. We would love it for you to get involved in that episode and you can do this by telling us your favourite fight films of 2022 and why. You can do this by emailing me at hello at kungfumovieguide.com. You can also reach out over social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Kung Fu Movie Guide and we are also on Twitter at KF Movie Guide. 
If you're not sure which movies came out this year and would like to consult a list of fight-centric movies to choose from, then we do have a page prepared already on our website, which you can go to. Please use the link in the description of this show, or you can simply go to our website, kungfumovieguide.com. That's also where you'll be able to donate to the show, subscribe to our newsletter, and read the latest martial arts movie reviews. As is customary with the end-of-year show, Mike and I will be counting down our own personal top five favorite fight films from the year and it's always a fun little experiment as we never tell each other beforehand what will appear in our top fives and actually most of the time we do sort of agree on the top spots but it will be interesting to see what movies do make it into our top fives from this year to find out make sure that you subscribe to this podcast using your podcast provider that is the best way to make sure that you never miss a brand new episode of this show and if you do that then please don't forget to give us a star rating as well that would be very much appreciated okay that's just about it from me for now let's go over to my conversation with robert samuels this chat was recorded in august of this year 2022 Robert continues to champion old-school kung fu movies and fight choreography through his own projects, which are all well worth a look. I'll be sure to put links in the description of this episode so you can go and check out some of Bobby's more recent work. I will be back at the end of this conversation to talk a little bit more and to sign off properly, but until then, here we go then. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the great action star and filmmaker Robert Samuels. I guess Made in Chinatown would be the the first thing to mention here because sure. that's just landed on Amazon Prime here in the UK. It's on Apple oh, TV as okay. well. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that? I didn't. I, I knew no. I knew uh, Mexico and the Latin countries, but I didn't realize it hit England yet. Or London it, it hit the UK. It always takes us a good year, maybe two years sometimes to get some... Um, a lot of these movies uh, to come to us. I don't know why we're always we're always at the behind, the farms, yeah. yeah <laughs> for some reason, I've no idea why. But congratulations on that movie. I know you've Thank directed you. things in the past, and I know yes. you've done short films. You've done yes. TV work as yeah. well. But um, you know, getting a big feature film together, it yeah. must have been, uh, yeah, quite a challenge. With, uh, Is it with, quite a challenge? The, uh, yes, with the especially with uh, legends such as uh, the Sopranos. You know, that exactly. was. Uh, that was a tall order, you know, yeah. they're, they're veterans. They work with Scorsese and, and Coppola, everybody, you know, so Woody Allen. So, uh, you know, they tested me, but, you know, yeah. in the end, they appreciated where I was coming from as a director. So, yeah, that worked so, out. How did you find working on a feature film? Obviously, it's very different to a short film TV yeah. as well. Yes. Uh, just generally, what? How, how did you find it all, Bobby? Uh, I found it very, uh, very interesting uh directing that i think we had like yeah, two just over two million to pull that off yeah um but of course you had to deal with the unions and the guilds and the you know the this this strict rules here in the u.s as far as uh dealing with the unions and, and, and how you do movies here but because i worked in hong kong you know i lived with samo and and that allowed they gave me an understanding of how the whole process works anyway so basically this the, the short films were just kind of like the keep my name out there, keep the attention coming, 
showing what could be done for for little money quality wise um just waiting for an opportunity to uh to, to get the chance to do a big film so you know that was the best education in the world working with Samo. so it, it wasn't a hard transition in fact it, it may have been a little easier because the pace in hong kong is so quick so quick um, how they shoot and the hours are just tremendously long, 16, 17 hour days. Yeah. Um, so when we came, when I came to, to kind of start working back in America, the American system and in, in made in Chinatown, um, the time didn't bother me, but I had to be mindful of the crew and the turnaround times and the union rules and, and not, you know, being into any penalties and making sure that the film came in on, on schedule. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? And I guess you're making an action comedy there. You know, it's got a sort of wise-cracking script, but, um, you know, you've got some kung fu legends in this film yeah, uh, yeah. as well. So that must have been really exciting. Lo Meng as well, and your Hungar teacher, uh, Choi Chi Ling as well, is, Ling. was in yes, the movie yes. as well. Uh, so, Lo yeah, Mong. what was that like? Oh, well, you know, Lo Meng and I had worked together years ago in London. Uh, we did a, uh, we worked for E17. We did a music video for E17. And we also yeah. did a music video for Drew Hill in London uh, Amazing. back in the day. And uh, we flew yeah. Lo Mong and some people out from Hong Kong. Me, it was a pretty big budget um, from Island uh, Def Jam Records. And uh, that was my first time working with them. Ironically, the entire time in Hong Kong, I never really met them. I mean, yeah. we, we went to functions, the Hong Kong Stuntman's Association, uh, Performing Artists Guild. I remember him sitting in front of me one time, but I didn't know him. And I just kept saying to myself, oh my God, that's Lil Mo, that's Lil Mo. Yeah. You know? uh, fortunately, you know, when I came back to US, someone who knew him talked to him about me and it was like, you know, Bobby's doing things in America, you should try and hook up with him. And, and we made the contact and that's when we started in Europe and we just kept working together ever since, you know? So I was happy that he wanted to do Made in Chinatown because that was his first American film, you know? Who, who wouldn't want to be responsible for The Toad's first American film? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a true honor. And Chu Chi Ling, he was my manager in Hong Kong for three, three and a half years when I first got there. So our history is is connected through that, yeah. you know? Because he's a Hongar master, isn't he? And I know that's his whole, your his whole family, style. Yes, his whole yeah. family is Hongar. His father, Chukau, his mom, um, very famous in, in Hong Kong. You know, I was fortunate enough to, to learn with them uh, as well as him before they passed passed along. I rest their souls. But um, he's always been a supporter of me, you know, throughout the years. And, you know, he's migrated here to the U.S. now. So I think he lives in San, San, San Francisco. Yeah, so, right. you know, when I when I caught well, actually, it was funny how it happened. Uh, Huang Jan Lee was casted for his his role. Um, wow. But, yeah, he was Hong, Huang Jan Lee was at the airport on his way to America to film. But the immigration department stopped him. And because he had did a seminar years ago um, and they paid him, he didn't pay taxes on that. And so they, they wouldn't allow him to come in until he straightened out his business. No but way. cameras were rolling, so production yeah. was still moving. And I'm like, oh, my God, how can we fix this? So I thought about it. I said, who's here? Who's on this side of town? And then Chi Lang, you know, old faithful. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. I come to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, I said, so, yo, man, can you, uh, can you help me out? He's okay, no problem, Bobby. I come, I come, I come. Oh, so that's cool. That was good. And, and, and in actuality, it was the first time that him and Lo Mong actually worked together on screen, you know? Wow, so, they hadn't worked together then in all no, those years. No, they had years. not. So that was, wow. that, was, that was an honor for me to kind of join them on screen for the first time. 
Made in Chinatown fed a certain appetite, meaning it was a family-oriented film. It wasn't a bunch of uh, cursing, no cursing. It's like last, uh, what's that, The Last Dragon. It's just way out there. But it's fun, you know? It's very fun. And those guys, they're older now, you know? So I was forced with trying to show them, you know, have them do action, but I couldn't get them hurt because they're in their 70s now, you know what I mean? So I just had to do it more so respectfully as opposed to just, oh, let's do a whole cold Shaw Brothers and go to, you know, couldn't do that because they're older gentlemen now. So I had to, I had to do their performances with finesse, you know, fortunately I think it worked, but where I, where it failed in some respects was with the, um, the diehard Hong Kong action crowd. It just didn't meet their appetite because they, they want to see that visceral Hong Kong style. And these are their heroes, you know, but yeah, yeah. I was forced with a decision. I can't be typecast. I can't fall into just because I worked in Hong Kong. I have to just do Hong Kong. Uh, this is a major motion picture with A-level actors. And I have to treat it as such. I have to be respectful with the content as with the actors. So that's where the juxtaposition came in with merging the two cultures. But fortunately, yeah. it worked. And when it kicks off at the end, Jay Kwan, I don't know how you found that that kid. I mean, he can certainly move. So it's um, not... He's one yeah. on the rise. He's definitely on yeah. the rise, man. You know, I saw him in a bunch of short films. Uh, I think Vlad Rimbrock did something with him, a couple other people. And he just he just fit that 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 character, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fish yeah, out yeah. of water, trying to be something that he's not. Ultimately what he what he what he needed was right in front of him, you know. And I've gotta say, because I know James Liu worked with you on that movie yes. again, another, you know, um a veteran of a veteran. the American Chinatown. Yeah. You know, I learned so a lot. Many. I learned Classic. a lot from him, you know. He had just won an Emmy for uh Luke Cage, the T V yeah. series, you know, first yeah. time coordinated to win an Emmy. So he was coming in with some, some serious credentials, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know I working to his his level i just had to make sure i you know i dug deep but he taught me so much you know i learned so much from james uh, as as to the hollywood machine how that really works you know because he's worked on nothing but a level films you know yeah. so that was the best tutelage for me and fortunately you know we build a, a, a very strong bond and 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 like we're brothers to this day so yeah that was amazing. that was Co-directing the film with him was a, was a true honor. So where does it put you now then? Are you still actively looking at projects to, to direct uh, yes. currently? Yeah. 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 Uh, for, for me, you know, I've been doing action films for 30 plus years, you know, yeah. in front of the camera, um, behind the camera. Um, but my passion now as I get older is basically directing, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll do an occasional cameo here and there, you know, that sort of thing. I just finished, I'm um, actually st- being the lead in a film, uh, Jugando Con Fuego, uh, which is... I which saw is this on very, your IMDb. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's doing very well right now. You know, we won pretty much every festival across the across the, uh, across the the world, India, China, Japan, Korea. Um, I just won Best Actor in New York, which is a, a tough area to, to, to wow. win Best Actor. <laughs> well award, done. You know? It's yeah, a short yeah. film. It comes in at 40 minutes, but, you know, hopefully, you know... Basically, I just wanted to show the audience, you know, as a lead, what I could do, you know, because out of the 30 years, I've co-starred with everyone, you know, so I've never really had a chance to just be the lead actor. So that was uh, that was my first foray into being a lead actor. So but primarily, I I like to concentrate on directing now um, because uh, it's a young man's game, you know, especially with the action. You know, Um, I just had a birthday. I'm in my 50s now, you know. 
I don't, I, I'm not in bad shape or anything like that. But, you know, as I say, it's a young man's game. And it's my job to kind of help usher in the new generation of talent. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. that's where I think I can uh, give back most. The cream Let's go back. Let's go to back. Growing up in yes. Philly, I believe. Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. I've, I've been there. And my one trip to the to the States, I made it as far as Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and loved it. Did the run up the Rocky Steps, did all that stuff. Yeah. Um, everyone does that. Yeah. Everyone does that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so growing up in, in Philly, was martial arts a, a, a passion for you as a, as a kid? What was your entry into that? Yeah, so uh, my aunt took me to see a film years ago when I was very young. I think I may have been like 10 or 11. It was called uh, Five Fingers of Death uh, with Lo Lay. Lo Lay, um, of course. And I knew the minute that, you know, I'm, I, that, that was my, I, I saw that before I saw Bruce Lee films. So yeah. that had the most indelible impression upon me. I mean, I just, it just hit me like a wave. And I said, my God, this is, this is it. This is the career path. I want to do this. I looked at my aunt. I said, I'm, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. She was like, stop it. There's no way. You know, yeah. I said, no, I want to do these kind of movies. She's like, these are Chinese people. I said, I know, but I still want to do these kind of movies, yeah. you know? And so ironically, the the first big film that I did in Hong Kong was with the very actor, Lo Lei, that I was watching yes. on screen. Uh, that was Hong Fuk Chai Tiet, which is a gambling ghost in English. Yeah. Uh, that was my first film with Samo. And that was just loaded with all Hong Kong luminaries, James Tian, Mang Hoi. Lan Ching-ing. Lan Ching-ing, that yeah. was, oh my God, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know I've been very fortunate. Lo Le used to take me home every night from set because he actually lived not far from where I was oh, staying. Wow. So, yeah, we talked about the stranger and the gunfighter and all that. And I yeah. just, I had to pinch myself. I was like, oh my God, you know, this is yeah. amazing. But uh, yeah, you know, after I saw that film, I said, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And so it was a guy in, in, in Philadelphia. His name was Maurice Tunstall. And he studied traditional Hongar in, uh, in Chinatown in Philadelphia. And I, I remember going to him and I started doing all this fake Kung Fu, you know, like a Bruce Lee imitations and stuff yeah. like that. And he was like, nah, 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 that's not how you do. You want to learn real Kung Fu, I'll show you. And so that's where he began to kind of start showing me Hongar. And I just fell in love with it. And then I just, I stayed with it for all those years, you know, from a teenager to a young adult, I kept training with him and kept training with him. All the while, just telling him I want to do Kung Fu movies. I want to do Kung Fu movies, you know. Uh, he wanted me to take the traditional route, but you know, you have your own path and what you want to do, you know. I didn't want to be a teacher. I just wanted to use the martial arts to, to facilitate, to, to get me to Hong Kong. So. I could be able to do the action that they do, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, well, Bobby, I'm surprised that you found a Hungar teacher in Philadelphia in, what yes. was that, the 70s? That, no, that was um, the late 80s. Oh, late 80s. Late 80s. Oh, okay. late 80s, yeah. What were the options open to you if you wanted to study martial arts? I guess um, before the Kung Fu boom, it was just karate, was it? It was, it was karate, it was judo, judo keto, yeah. things of that yeah. nature, you know? Uh, they, they had a couple of places in Chinatown, but they were not really friendly toward Americans, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, it wasn't until I studied with Maurice, and Maurice, you know, he was very well embedded in Chinatown, and he started introducing me to people. And then I started working in Chinatown. I started selling newspapers at the Chinese bookstore. Um, then I worked at the Chinese movie theater. 
um, selling popcorn and cleaning the theater, all to make sure that I was around that environment and learning the culture early, you know, because yeah. I knew what I wanted to do. So you literally knew as soon as you saw King Boxer, we call that film King Boxer over here. But it's Boxer, like, yeah, yeah, that's um, Five Fingers of Death is actually a much better title, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, but uh, you literally, so you knew as soon as you saw that movie, you were like, this is, I want to be in front of the camera. That was the dream. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. I said, I want to work with these particular actors. Yeah. So wow. it was the goal. With, and, that, and then I had been watching films like uh, The Black Dragon with Ron Van Cleef. Uh, Carl Scott's Carl Scott's movies, A Hard Way to Die with Billy Chung and all those films. And by me seeing an African-American that had done the pioneers of Hong Kong cinema, you know, I knew that I had a chance. You know, I said, if they can do it, I just got to put myself in a position and I'll be able to do it because I can see now that it can be done from a black person. You know what I'm saying? Is that one-eyed bastard here? Who the hell are you? You dare call our boss that? can i dive a little bit into that because you were going to 42nd street and you were you were there in the thick of it in new york watching these kung fu movies when they were coming out you know during the height of you know the kung fu boom that's right i was very young but my father and mother real backstory real quick my father and mother um they divorced when i was very young at two my my mother was still in philly but i kept going to my father's in new york my father was the first black banker on wall street um, so he was very wealthy, um, and we lived at the um, we lived at the Dakota where John Lennon was killed. Actually, I was there that day when John Lennon got killed. I just didn't realize wow. the magnitude of what was going on. You know, um, Roberta Flack used to babysit me. Al Pacino, Lauren Bacall, Lennon Bernstein. They were all living in that uh, facility. You know what I'm saying? And wow, I wow, okay. You know, so yeah. my dad would always, you know, because he worked all the time. He would he knows I like kung fu movies. Say. He would have somebody drive me over to 42nd Street and I would just for the whole day in and out of theaters, just kept watching Kung Fu movies all the time. Yeah. You know, so they showed them in dub- double bills, didn't they? And they showed you know, double and triple yeah, bills. Yeah. yeah dirty theaters. Just, you know, yeah. porn on one side, Kung yeah. Fu on the other, you know. I'm reading a book about this at the moment and there is a thing. There's a it's easy to glamorize this or have rose tinted spectacles on when you look back at these things, because yeah. that is a period of time that just won't be repeated because new york Never. is completely Never. different now um, particularly around there it's, it's so it's a it's yeah. an era that's gone it'll never happen again you know and i was very fortunate to be able to experience that you know very yeah. fortunate. yeah can you paint us a picture then bobby what was it like going in and you're watching i guess maybe shaw brothers movies bruce lee movies or the actually the bruce bloitation movies were, were yes. big as well weren't they and they were uh Powell, bruce lie bruce lay yeah. it was so many yeah. bruces you know so many derivatives of bruce lee you know yeah. um but for me it was always the shaw brother the Shaw Brother and then later Golden Harvest. Those were the ones that had the most impression upon me. Bruce Lee, yeah, of course, he had an impression on everyone. But I kind of was, I, 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 it was about the Chinese culture. It was about Shaw Brothers because King Boxer was my first influence. So yeah. By Masters of Death and Savage Five, those were two of my favorites. D-Lung, David Chang, you know, those are my favorite duos. You know, Fu Shang, I loved him yeah, beyond yeah. words, you know. I'm very fortunate now to be friends with his family, you know. I talk to his brother, Cheng Cheng Ping, every other oh, day. Oh, great. Him and I are best friends, you know. 
Um, so that was an honor. But, you know, you don't realize how life, the course that life treats you, you know. Here I am, a, a kid from the ghetto, because West Philly is a ghetto, you know. Yeah. And I, I wanted to make sure that I made it out of the ghetto and made it to the pinnacles of Hong Kong cinema, you know. Kung Fu movies have always been so popular with the black community. That's correct. And I'm just wondering your take. Why Why do you think that that was, that there was such a strong connection between, you know, Kung Fu cinema that was coming out of Hong Kong, other mm -hmm. side of the, the planet, mm -hmm. and the African-American community? What's your view on that? So my view on that is that it, was, it, it afforded us to see people in the lead that, that weren't Caucasian yeah. um, and that had the same sort of plights that we had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. we kind of we kind of levitated and gripped onto that and brotherhood. And, you know, we always like, yo, what's up, bro? You know me? And that kind of yeah. thing. And then Chang Che, most of his films were built on the heroic brotherhood theme. If you really paid it, yeah, yeah. you know, David Chang and, and all the five guys. It's all about heroic brotherhood. Yeah. Um, and so we could identify with that to a degree, yeah. you know? And just the the martial arts and, and just being able to escape and and, and, and understand with that, that that there's heroes that could reflect our images, that sort of thing. And so we just latched onto it, man. That's why RZA now, you know, with the Wu-Tang, and he's he's parlayed that into his overall brand now, you know? Absolutely. Um, so those films have had the most indelible impression, I think, on the African-American community, more so than any other community. Yeah. Because we've accepted every level of it. Remember, there there was the first generation with the Jimmy Wang Yu's and the one-armed sportsmen's, and yet then you had your your D Lung and David Chang's, and then you had your five guys, your five boys, Lo Bong, and those guys. You know, each generation we supported each one, and we yeah. rode with every single director that that made these films. You know, um, and and to this day we still love those films. It hasn't changed. Because Hong Kong producers were savvy and they knew the following they were getting within, you know, the theatres that were being showing these movies in New York or wherever. And then you get, yeah, Ron Van Cleef, Black Dragon, and then the whole, then you've got the mix of the black exploitation and the Kung right. Fu and it all goes together. Right, and that was, yeah. that was another thing. Sarah from Carolexis, who was uh, the brains behind uh, the Black Dragon trilogies, um, he was smart. He yeah. knew that the, the, Asian martial arts films were having a big impact in the black communities and that a lot of the dollars that were being generated from these movies were coming from the urban areas. Um, so much so to the point where he was like, hey, wait a second, why don't we just figure out something? And hence, Ron Van Cleek was the first. Yeah. He set the tone. He, he gave us our, our blueprint. And subsequently after him, then it was Carl Scott. So he was the next one to give us our blueprint. Yeah. And then Jim you, Kelly uh, as well. Jim we got a shout Jim out to Kelly. Jim Kelly. Yeah. Jim Kelly can't leave him out, you know. I, and then, you know, I don't want to say me. You know, I ain't the ego guy, but, you know, I guess I would be included in there somewhere. You know? Well, first African-American stunt performer to join the Hong Kong Stuntman Association. I mean, that's quite an amazing... Uh, I think I, I'm claim, the first it, and, so. and only. And only. Yeah. I'm still waiting yeah. to see if there's a black guy that's going to come behind me and join the guild. But so far, there's never... I'm the only African-American Hong Kong stuntman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what a privilege. I mean, that's that's a cool. That's yeah, a cool thing, yeah, yeah. But, it know. catches me sometimes, you know. Yeah. I've killed many men with this pole, but still, I don't want to kill you yet. After I was learning traditional kung fu, then I started just watching movies and mimicking the action in yeah. the movies to learn the timing of how Chinese 
martial artists did it for film. Yeah. Um, and once I realized that I had that pretty much down pack, uh, I never forget it. I was like, now I got to get there. And yeah. so that's where the, the, I knew that I couldn't just afford the flights because they were just tremendously expensive, you know, to keep going back and forth. And I'll never forget it. A group of my friends, they went to the airport. They were all going for jobs and I wasn't going for a job. And then, uh, you know, they was like, well, you should fill out one, too. I said, ah, all right, whatever. So then I, I started talking to airline employees. They was like, well, you know, if you work for us, you can fly anywhere for free. And that, bing, what? For free? All right, give me the application. <laughs> so I filled wow. it out. Um, I worked for a, a security company in the airport uh, for about two or three years. I wasn't hired by the airlines, but I greeted all the managers every day. And subsequently, one day a manager came through and he was like, I like you. You speak to us every day. You're very cordial. Have you ever thought about working for us directly? And that was it. Never forget that. He said, be in my office tomorrow morning. U.S. Airways hired me directly, which allowed me to get those flight privileges. And that's really when everything kind of changed. Everything changed. And you managed to wangle it so that you could get to Hong Kong from the States then and you could just yes. keep making trips out there. That's, That's amazing. It. I worked for US Air about five years before everything really started kicking off. But what I did was the first the first year I got hired, I took the, the vacation and I just jumped on a plane and went to Asia. Just just to say I did it. You know, I didn't really meet too many people, but just How uh, old were you then, Bobby? Oh, I was uh I wanna say 27 26 27 yeah. oh okay yeah i was i was in my 20s at that point and so i did it came back the following year you know every year you accumulate more more weeks and weeks and then yeah. i stayed for two weeks and then three weeks finally i met uh chuchi ling uh and chuchi ling started taking me auditions in hong kong and things of that nature and it definitely it, you know he got me some roles but nothing really panned out a couple things i did they ended up cutting the footage i just thought that you know eh, it ain't gonna work one day i was with him and I went into the bathroom, I'll never forget it, in Hong Kong. And when I went into the bathroom, there was a guy in there. And as I'm at the sink washing my hands, I look up at the mirror and I'm looking at him and I said, wait a second, that's, um, that's the guy from uh, Duel of the Iron Fist. Chang Chen, Paul Chang, Chang Hong Yip, right? You know, he always plays the comedy role. And I said, what the heck? I said, Chang Hong Yip. He was like, oh, how do you know my name? You know, and you said it in Chinese. I said, he was like, what, you speak Chinese? I said, you know, that kind of thing. He was like, oh, my God, I've never seen a black guy. He said, what are you doing here in Hong Kong? I said, well, I, you know, I'm here. I'm trying to get in the movies and everything. He was like, what? He said, well, who, who's helping you? And then I told him, Chu Chi Ling. And then he was like, yeah, Chu Chi Ling is, is well known. He's like, but I, I don't know if he's going to get you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll tell you what, you meet me tonight at the Nico Hotel. Uh and I have a surprise for you. So that night I met him. I went to the hotel. Um, and the first person that walked through the door was uh, Chen Quan Tai. Yes. And I was like, Legendary blown short away. Star. Right. Yeah. I was blown away. You know, I'm like, oh my God. Boxer from Shantung. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that just caught me off guard. Next thing you know, Paul walks in. He's like, yeah, you recognize him? I said, oh my God. Yes, I do. You know? Yeah. Um, and then Sam walked in. And I, I almost fainted. I almost yeah. fainted. I kid you not, I almost fainted. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I had all these photos with me. I'll never forget it. And Samuel sat down. We all had, had coffee. And then I showed Samuel the photos. And, and Paul told Samuel what I wanted to do. He's looking at the photos. He's like, oh, okay. But he seemed just like not interested in anything that I was showing him, right? And he said a statement. He said, can you fight? 
I said, yeah. He said, can you fight four or five guys at a time? And I said, well, I'm not you, but I can, you know, that sort of thing, you know, because I had seen him just lay waste to 20, 30 people, right? So he was like, oh, okay, cool. So then we we started talking shop and everything a little bit more. And then he gets up and he says, I got to go. And so he leaves. Oh, I was I was crestfallen. I actually thought that I made a bad impression on him, you know. So then Paul was like, it's okay, don't worry, you know, I think he likes you. And so he was like, look, let's go to eat. So he says, we got to meet one other person. So that night we go to um, Jim's Hot Joy. Was it Jim's Hot Joy? Yeah, Jim's Hot Joy. And we, we're having a meal. And in walks Lily Lee, who I had the yeah. biggest crush on when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. But that was Paul's former girlfriend from back in the day, right? And I'm like, oh my God, Lily Lee. So uh, so it's Chen Kwan Tai, Lily Lee, Paul, me. We sit now, we eating, and I'm just like, I'm trying to yeah, you must out. have been like it's all your Christmases at once, yeah, dude. dude yeah. I was like floored, you know. Yeah, I've seen these imagine. guys on screen as a child, you know, and yeah. here I am eating with them, right? So then the phone rings and it's Samo, and then I could hear Paul say, "I, I go, Dima." They're like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "Okay, hoa, momandaya," which means no problem. But I tell him, and so he hung up, and I'm looking, and I'm like, "He's like that was Samo." He said, yeah, he's changing the ending of the movie he's doing right now. And he wants you to be the villain. And I just really, I, I, I pretty much passed out. He's because yeah. my head dropped in my food. He's like, say, Bobby, you okay? You okay? He's like, I gotta get a grip. Gotta get a grip. Gotta get a grip. Gotta get a grip. <laughs> so, yeah. And that movie was Gambling Ghost? That was Hong Fuk Chai Tin, yeah. The yeah. director was uh, Clifton uh, Kochi Sam. But it was yeah. an all-star cast. Like, if you oh, could, yeah. they just threw me right into the mix, man. And so... Wow. My first night on set, I was just so freaking nervous, you know? Yeah. I looked to my left, it's Yun Biao, it's James Tin from Bruce Lee's movie, Lam Ching Ying, and Amang Hoi with Mang Bruce Hoi, Lee and yeah. Rope Chung. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just luminaries, every, Chung Fa, just everywhere, right? Young man, you're dreaming. Take me. You're joking. Real quick story for, for Gambling Ghost. I finished filming that film uh, a week early. The producers owed me 5,000 US dollars. Um, they were like, well, can you, since we finished early, can you forfeit the money? And I think that was the best decision I've ever made in my life, which has probably gotten me to this point in this interview with you. Yeah. I said, uh, sure, let me speak to Samo. So I walked over to Samo and I, and I said, excuse me, sir. He said, yeah. I said, well, we finished early. The producers, you know, they owe me 5,000 U.S. Um, they kind of wanted for me to forfeit the money. I said, I told them I'll forfeit the money on one condition. He said, well, what's the condition? I said, if you just allow me to work with you again in the future, I said, I'll, it doesn't, the money doesn't matter. I don't want the money. If you just give me an opportunity to work with you again, you know? And he was yeah. like, you willing to forfeit that money just to work with me? I said, absolutely, 100%. He looked at me. He said, all right, deal, deal. Yeah. So I gave up the money. I went back when uh, I was going to be laid off. Um, I called Samo and I said, they're going to lay me off. He's like, no, catch the first plane out here. So I caught the first plane out. But what I did was something slick because I knew that at this point, I didn't have the airline job anymore to help facilitate the movement and that it was all or nothing. So I bought a one-way ticket. I didn't even buy a round trip because I was not coming back to the United States until I was a success. Yeah, and amazing. that's that's how it that's that's how it happened. I, I got yeah. there. Samo took me to the immigration department. Um, they put me on file. Most Americans can only stay for 30 days. 
but because I was under contract as Samuel's English teacher, um, I, I, I had a work permit, so I could just, I could stay as long as I wanted and worked and everything, you know? Amazing. So Amazing. I never forget that Samuel was moving out of a, a $7 million house into a, a multi-million dollar house. And he was like, well, you stay at the seven million until it's sold. And you know, when that's sold, then you can move in with me. Man, oh man, you're talking about walking around, you know? <laughs> so I took care of the house until it was sold. Yeah. And after it was sold, I ended up moving into his house and I shared a room with his son, Jimmy. It was just amazing, man. You know, yeah. he opened his home to an African-American. That was different too. So Bobby, how did you learn the language so sort of quickly then? Was that just from going back and forth to Hong Kong, working in Chinatown? I mean, was no, that well, how that, you picked it up? Yeah, That yeah. was part of it. But what, what really did it was I, I kind of self-taught myself. I wow. would, uh, for, for from the time I was young until then, until I decided to go, I was self-teaching myself how to speak Cantonese, not Mandarin. Cantonese. Yeah. I would mimic it. And, and, and by working in the community, I learned certain things, you know, but it really wasn't until I got to Hong Kong where I got the firmest grasp. But I did have enough of it where I shocked people, you know, they were like, wait, yeah. a second. what the hell, you know, <clears throat> and they said, you know, you don't have any tone or anything, you know. And they were like, most mm. Americans, are, you know, they speak Mandarin. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. sick going. I, I don't speak it. It's a little too too difficult. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were just shocked that I could learn the nine tones for Cantonese, you know? So yeah, yeah self-taught. And then yeah. by living there, I just gained a better knowledge of it, you know. But yeah. nobody is as good as 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 Mark Hart. Mark <laughs> was like the Well, man. he's been there for years and years yeah, though, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, that's my he's my my uh my digor, my big yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it's one thing, I guess, knowing the language, that's going to put you at a certain advantage. But you've got to keep up with Samo, and you have a pretty meaty fight scene with Samo at the end of Gambling Ghost. So, you know, I mean, talk about thrown in at the deep end. Yeah. I mean, how did you find just that experience and his choreography? Because he's the best kung fu movie choreographer out there. To my money, the best. Absolutely the best. So at the time, he had one other student. His name was uh, Colin Cho, Nai Sing. He assigned him to me. And the ironic part is we were the same age and we had the same birthday. And we were both Samo's students, you know. And so our brotherhood was like really tight and he couldn't speak any English. So I used to always tell him, I'm going to teach you English, man, because I'm telling you, if you ever get to the United States and you learn English, you'll be a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Look what happened. Yeah, yeah. Look what happened. Yeah. Um, but that particular night, and, and something ironic happened that night. There was a there was a series of sixteen punches combination set that I had to do in Gambling Ghost, and I kept messing it up. There's another word I like to use, but I'll just say I kept messing it up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's okay and, to swear on this. It's right. fine. Yeah. yeah. And I was just so so like I started breaking out cold sweats and everything. And I remember Samuel said told nice thing. He was like, uh, work with Bobby get them down and i just kept i kept trying that from 12 o'clock at night to like two in the morning and samuel would just read the newspaper when i thought i was ready he would come over do the bad 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 messed up again he'd go back to reading this newspaper i i asked him years later why he didn't get upset at me that night you know mm-hmm. and he's like i didn't get upset at you at that night because you never quit you just kept trying until you got it and he said that that meant more to me than anything so I'm not going to yeah. beat you up when you keep trying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that that meant a lot, you know, because I really messed yeah. up on there. But 
you know, I finally got it. And Bobby, we've seen evidence there's behind the scenes stuff of, you know, Jackie Chan berating some of the stunt people for not getting the timing. You know, it's the timing is so crucial. Um, So, you know, the fact that, you know, you impressed Samo enough and then obviously for him to use you again in his movies, you know, that he must have seen something in you. you Yeah. I thought that it was over after Gambling Goes. I really did. I really did. But he ended up calling me. He came to New York to uh, buy a house in Old Westbury one time. He said, pick me up at the airport. I was shocked. I was shocked. You know, I went and picked him up at the airport, got him all set up up there. And that's the time when when Yun Biao came. Uh, to the United States. And Yun Biao is the one who named me Bobby. Bobby Long is what they call me, Bobby the Dragon. Because yeah. I'll never forget we were riding horses and Yun Biao was saying, well, you need a screen name. You know? He was like, I'll tell you what, we're going to call you Bobby. Bobby Long. Bobby the Dragon. And that's kind of how it just, it took Great. off. You know? um, and yeah. I kept it. I mean, you, you, Yun Biao call you Bobby Long, you're Bobby Long. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's not worse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good. Good. You are clever. But not clever enough because now you will die. Because you got to know Samo so well, as you say, you lived with him as well. He put you up in his house. Yes. You were his bodyguard is that right i read that somewhere or that was was that a media thing so so what so what happened was i the, the first year that i lived with him i really wasn't doing any action films at all i was yeah. watching all the westerners work and do action and i wasn't i was just living with samo i was his assistant at the time yeah. so whatever he needed i took care of wherever he needed to go i was with him no matter what um and we did that for a whole year no work just that's um, early 90s 1991 yeah yeah correct and I'm just with him. But what happened was just by being with him gave me an exorbitant amount of exposure to the point where if I wasn't with him and I went to a supermarket because, you know, the media was always taking photos of us. You know, we were on magazine yeah. covers and everything. Um, of course, they start sensationalizing everything. But they were like, oh, that's the black guy. That's the black guy. That's with Samo, you know. But as with anything and, and how media works and. They started sensationalizing, saying that, you know, the triads hired this black guy to, to bodyguard Samo Hong, yeah. you know. And I, we were at the 13th uh, Golden Horse Awards, which is their Academy Awards. And I'm sitting there next to uh, Yun Duk, who won for uh, Fong Sayuk, Best Action Director. And this guy named Lewis came up to me. He was a Western guy from, from Europe, from England, I think. He, he's passed on right now. I know he did pass away. 
But he walked up, he says, Bobby Samuels. And I said, oh, okay, I don't know you, but uh, he says, oh, so tell me, is it true? I'm like, well, what is it? He says, well, they say that you are hired because Samuel, the body, your bodyguard for Samuel for the triads to protect him. Is that true? And then I'm like, I ain't want to talk about it, but you know, I'm not going to say anything, you know, I just kind of <laughs> rode with it, you know, give yeah, me a yeah, extra, yeah. extra push out here, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was funny, but I wasn't his bodyguard. He wasn't in any trouble with the triads. He was, he was, he was like my godfather. He was like, you know, yeah. took me under his wing and, and taught me everything I knew. What's he like personally then? I mean, because I, I get the impression, well, obviously you will, you'll know this more than, more than most, but, um, the stories I hear when he's on set, he is the boss and everyone looks up to him and it's very much like Samo's in charge. But personally as well, I mean, you know, what's he like as a guy to like just hang out with? I mean, is he uh, so he's cool um, he's a very cool guy. He has yeah, he's he's a comedian. So yeah. every time he's always doing something funny, always doing something funny, um, and just he'll get a shirt off his back. You know, he's yeah. just the kindest individual. But when it comes to movies and working on a movie set, he is by goal. He is the biggest. He's, yeah. he's 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 over Jackie. He's over everybody. He is the yeah. man, you know. Um, and he's to be respected as such because of his knowledge and because of his skill sets, you know. Um, yeah. He's different than everybody else. He really is, and people understand it. Now he has a temper, as with you know the rest of them. They all have tempers, you know. Yeah. But when Samo goes there, he goes there, and yeah. he can put the fear of God in you, you know. Yeah. Um, if you don't know him, you know. But yeah by me living with him and seeing him every day and spending time and, 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 and his mother fixing me food every day. And, you know, I would go on dates and I would bring a date home and they would show me how to serve her. And if I wasn't doing it right, you know, get the, the true education of Chinese yeah. culture. Wow. Um, I knew a different person, you know, I knew a kind man. I wasn't fearful of him at all. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I knew, but I didn't want to mess up the mystique of who he was, you know, and how people felt about him. Um, mm. So I kept, you know, a lot of my memories and things to myself, you know, but always putting forward him first, you know, like my loyalty is to Samo. Even when I work with you know, Ping and Alfred Chung and all these other Hong Kong directors, I had to actually go to him first and say, yeah. by God, can I work for these people? Because when, you're in, in, when you follow a certain stunt group, you know, as opposed to the rest of them, you got you to gotta show respect. Yeah. I'm loyal. That's my allegiance. Yeah. So yeah, he's your he's your Sifu in a way, isn't he? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, he yeah, is. yeah. And it's an interesting time, the '90s for Samo, because he his career had slightly. I know because he left Golden Harvest in the early '90s, yes. Yes. and then he he's branching out on his own. He mm -hmm. sets up his own um, mm -hmm. company in the early yeah. '90s, and but he wasn't having a lot of like commercial success like he like he was having. Or the the press is, you know, they like a good story and a rivalry with Jackie and all of this yeah. stuff. Jackie's, you know, his career is taking off as Samo's career is slightly on, um, on the down on the downside yeah. yeah. uh, at that time. Were you? Is how much of that is true? How much of that is just, um, you know, so, the, the so, press? So, so it's never really to the point where Jackie and Samo are are really really like at odds you know they're brothers yeah. you, your brothers you fight you get over it you move on you know i'm gonna yeah. give you a clear example um i was scheduled to do rumble in the bronx samuel calls me into the office he says bobby i talked to jackie 
he wants you for Rumble in the Bronx. I had just finished uh, Momin Bay, Don't Give a Damn. And now I'm like going to work. I'm, I'm like a time, like, oh my God, I just worked with such and such. Now I get to work with such and such, you know? Um, and he was like, so, you know, just get yourself ready. I'll never forget that. And then the following day, he calls me in the office. He's like, uh, yeah, um, Jackie made me mad. Uh, you're not doing the movie. What? Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But, you know, I'm not. I'm with Samo. I live with him. I'm not going yeah. to go against him. You know what I mean? So I have to just kind of kind of go along with the flow. You know, it is what it is. And it was probably for the best anyway, you know, yeah. which ended yeah. up being uh, when, it, when, when Rumble was released and Don't Give a Damn. Actually, they were side by side and in the theaters in Hong Kong. And that was just ironic. I was like, wow, I'm in this one. I could have been in this one, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's how their rivalry is. You know, that sort of thing. No matter what, there's, there, there's never bad blood. No, between no. Jackie and Samuel. There's disagreements, as with all brothers, they go through yeah. things, but never yeah. any love lost. And the irony is that Samo, when he's got his career sort of back on track, it was mm -hmm. partly due to Jackie, because I know Jackie got him into Thunderbolt as action director. He then got him directing Mr. Nice Guy. So there were these, these there were these favors, things that Jackie was handing to Samo to then get you know, he was basically he was he was yeah. latching him on to the American film system and getting yeah. him exposure yeah. so that a lot of American directors and then I remember uh, Double Team with uh, with Van Damme, um, Van Damme yeah. where he did the one action scene which was just blazing you know I yeah. think it was probably one of Van Damme's best performances uh, you know working with Sam on that um, and that started giving him the exposure and then the yeah. martial law series and things of yeah. that nature you know and then everything else just changed he just. He was on a, a rise at yeah. that point, you know. Everyone yeah, goes yeah. through those career lulls, you know. Um, yeah. I happened to be there for one of the lulls, um, and it was very difficult. You know, the business had kind of dried up. The movies weren't being done like they were being done in Hong Kong. Um, investors were a little bit skittish, you know what I mean? I remember going to many meetings with Samo where we investors from Taiwan and Malaysia would come in, and you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Uh, so it was, it was a difficult time for him, yeah. absolutely. But... You know, he made it through the storm and he just he just rose from there and he hasn't looked back. Inspector, your swordplay has much improved. Has it? Your spear skill is better too. You touched on Don't Give a Damn. This is a movie that I, I, I can't see getting a Blu-ray reissue no. uh, anytime anytime soon yeah um so it, i mean it's it's a shame because obviously this is a movie that um reunites you know samo and yen Bu. i believe yeah. jackie was supposed to be in that movie as he well was. is there truth he to was. that yeah yeah he was. i think he was. um yeah. takeshi kaneshiro got that role is yeah, that right kaneshiro yeah. got it correct yeah, yeah. kaneshiro yeah. it was a pleasure working for him too working yeah. with him your thoughts movie, on that, making that movie yeah that movie uh that was the first movie that Samo would like. He had a, it was a dry spell, you know, wasn't yeah. getting any work, things like that. And the investors that put up the money for that movie, uh, this, they were related to the scriptwriter. And the scriptwriter right. didn't particularly care for me at all. And it kind of transcended in how he wrote my character and yeah. the characters around me at the time. You know, yeah. Um, there were some racial elements involved there, um, over yeah. racial elements, and you know, it just it really wasn't 
it wasn't cool. I'll just say yeah. that, you know, that was a, that was something that I had to kind of deal with. That was a, that was a rough, rough time for me uh, to have to, to see that, you know, as an African-American mm. um, and have it be attached to my, to my project. It was funny because several of the scenes that they shot uh, dealing with the racial element, Samo wasn't there. Samo was gone. He had to go back to the U.S. And there was a second unit director that did that. And Samo was livid once mm. it was finished, you know. But because the movie's finances were tied together with the writer, and it just, we really didn't have a leg to stand on with how we, how the movie was presented. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I took, it took a while for me to explain that to a lot of Western people who just thought that Samo just went, rogue and just you know oh is he a racist and all that there but no you didn't be how none of them are you know because this is what's so fascinating about samu is you know for fight choreography and his he's such a pioneer in the way that he films shoots action i mean the mm -hmm. guy is is legendary what's fascinating about his film career are these these moments there where it's um there there's definitely some problematic elements to to his his filmmaking as well yeah. um that film being a, a case in point there are others in the filmography yeah. as well which are not right. <laughs> you know right. not uh, politically correct, shall we say? What made me feel better is that I never forget it when we were in the premiere of it that night. They were, you know, a lot of people were disconcerted behind what they saw. You know, mm. um, Mina really was upset. Samuel's wife, you know, she, she, she was like my sister. She really was. Uh, she didn't really particularly care about, you know, for that particular scene. But everyone came up to me at the end of the film. You know, paying everybody, they were like, "Don't let none of that destroy your performance." Yeah. You were badass in the movie, yeah. plain and simple, and, yeah. and and just know that you were good, and that had yeah. nothing to do with you. That's just how people are sometimes, and in films and and subject matters get get tackled, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know, I embraced that, and yeah. I you know I kept a, kept my head held high, and uh, and I just explained it from a from a logical point of view. That's all. Yeah. Because yeah, I, but yeah. I didn't want what I didn't want is I did not want anyone to think that Samuel was a racist because, I mean, he let me live in his home. He took care of yeah. me, you know? I didn't have any money. I didn't have anything. He, he paid for everything. He did everything for me, you know? Yeah. Clothes that I, I could not, because I'm a big American. They didn't sell the kind of clothes I needed. He would have them shipped in from overseas wow. for me, you know? Shoes, yeah. I couldn't, my feet were so big. He'd have them brought in from America. Like, you know, he, he's not a racist at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my goal behind that movie was to make sure that I showed that the 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 Hong Kong movie system is what brought that about, not Samo per se. Yeah, they caught they took advantage of him because he was at a lull in his career and he was trying to raise money for a film to get a comeback and you know, sometimes you just gotta grow in order to get what you want, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you still in touch with Samo? Is he still a good, good yes. buddy of yours? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's doing really well. He's doing really well. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's in Shanghai, and, and I'll never forget. You know, and it was uh, we were at the airport picking up his son. It was 1996, and he said, "You know, Bobby." He says, "How much? How much longer are you going to stay in Hong Kong? Because there's really there's nothing else I can do for you here. Like you've mm -hmm. reached the pinnacle of your career here." You have a choice. You can stay here. I'm not telling you to leave. You can stay here. But as you see, the movie business is going down. Everything is going up to China now. It's not the same. 
I think, you know, maybe you might want to go back. And, and, and I thought about it and I said, you know, you may be right because I'm at the, mm-hmm. at the height of my career here right now because I started doing non-action films. I actually started doing regular movies. I had the first on-screen romance with a Chinese actress in Hong Kong and first time they ever let that happen, African-American. So, yeah. you know, my, my audience started changing from action films into regular films. And I said, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe now is the time for me to come back to the United States. And so uh, that's what I did. I came back to the yeah. United States, um, and then I, I started my career here. But what yeah. I didn't realize is that my films had been viewed on the underground while I was gone. And yeah. I worked on a film called Ultimate Master. I'm sitting in the passenger side of a van out in front in, 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 uh, in New York. And I'm watching three guys walk down the street toward me, and I recognize them. And then they just look at me, and they're like, Bobby Samuels. And I'm like, how do you know? And I'm looking, I'm, it's Adam Yaw, it's the Beastie Boys. Wow. And I'm like, what the hell? They say, yeah, we knew you was in town. We heard you was here. We came down. We want to take a picture. You know what I mean? We were fans of yours. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? He was like, yeah, your movies are playing over here all the time. It's like, you know, and that was the, it was the smartest decision I made to go to another country. Just while we're in Hong Kong, though, a quick shout out for Red Wolf as well, working with Yen Wu Ping. We just need to talk about him. Yes. Uh, another legendary director, fight choreographer, yeah. Drunken Master, yes. Snake in the Old Shadow. My God, it's, there's too many films to mention. Yes. Um, working with Yen Wu Ping. I mean, what was what was that like? Wow. Yeah. So... How, how it happened was I'm, I'm in the office and Sam was like, oh, yeah, my son's my son's godfather wants to work with you. He never told me the name. He was like, uh, yeah, they, they want you to meet him at the park. He wants to see you, audition you, and, and that little stunt team that you created, he wants them to come too. The so Guilo like, 7, is that what Guilo they were called? Seven, you, yeah, so you yeah. created a stunt group, yeah, the yeah, G7. First, the, first, the first Western stunt team in Amazing. Hong Kong history. Who was, it, who was in that? Uh, it was uh, Mike Miller. It was me. Uh, it was Michael Lambert. It was uh, oh, Happy Heskey. Happy Heskey yeah. ended up working with him and Mr. Nice Guy and yeah. Van Damme and the Quest. Yeah. Um, and we got actual signed to Art House Productions with uh, Simon Yam, Yam Dakwa, same company. Yeah. Um, and right. that was of uh, uh, Roy Miller, Roy Roy Roy, Roy Miller, Roy Filler. That his, that was his name. He was there. He became a Ford model. But it was the first time a Hong Kong uh, production group had sign Western actors to a contract. Uh, and Yumu and Ping's movie was the first film uh, that we were all under contract with. Yeah, so, but I never forget when I, sh- I showed up and I saw him like, oh my God, this is Yumu Ping. Are you yeah. kidding me? So everybody's auditioning and everything. And then he was like, Bobby. And so I did what I did. He was like, okay. And he was like, you're all hired. And that was amazing. That amazing. was just simply amazing. And then he told me what the film was. It was loosely based along uh, the lines of speed, you know. Yeah, at the yeah. Speed it's two. a sort of uh, under siege terrorist take over a, a boat. Yeah, kind of thing. that yeah, sort yeah, yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was just that was an honor, man. And every day, yeah. you know, Yin Wu Ping, because he smoked marble lights the same as me at the time, and he would come over to me. He says, "Oh, Bobby, cigarettes," and yeah. that kind of got me. And then he had a fascination with my hair because I had the same plug on my head that I had from Don't Give a Damn because I was going from one set to the next. Nicing and I both, we were both in Don't Give a Damn and we were like, all right, let's go. There's a car ready for us to transport us to Yung Wu Ping. So it was just around the clock work for yeah. us. And yeah. I'll never forget one day Yung Wu Ping came over to me and he started hitting my hair, touching my hair. And he was like, Bobby. I said, yes. He said, they want me to do a film in America. I said, okay, I think you should do it. He's like, I don't know, you know. 
he said, uh, I said, well, what is it? He was like, ah, some film of Matrix or some nonsense. Or, I don't know. I'm, I'll think about it. I said, listen, I think you should do it. I think you should do it. If you ever get a chance, you know, work in the U.S., just do it. And I never realized that. No one knew. No one knew that was going to be as right, good as it was. Exactly. Yeah. And I never, I told, I told uh, Colin that day, I said, listen, I'm gonna show you English, but you're gonna have to master it when I leave, man. You gotta you gotta stay and do English, man. If you do it, I promise you, you will be a superstar in America. Yeah. And look what ended up happening to him. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah. Do you miss Hong Kong? Do you go there much? Still? I, do, I don't. I don't go there now. Um, no. Reason being is because it's, it's very different, different now. It's very it's different. It's very now. very different. Um, you know, I was very fortunate. Um, like Mark Harden, Cynthia Rothrock, all of them, they were part of that that initial golden wave of Hong Kong. Bruce Fontaine, the yeah. golden wave of Hong Kong. Vincent Lin, they were all a part of that. So they did the 80s straight through up into like the early 90s. And then that's when I came in. I was the 90s generation of Hong Kong cinema. Um, everyone always kind of groups us all together but I'm proud to say they are older than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, Cynthia's there kicking ass in the that's yeah. mid-80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, in the 80s. And I wasn't nowhere yeah. near Hong Kong then. Yeah. I didn't get to Hong Kong. I think the first time I landed in Hong Kong, and that was US Air, Just to Test the Waters, land. That was 89. Yeah. That was 89. Wow, that was the first time I entered. But nothing started for me in Hong Kong until 90, 91. Yeah. And subsequent years later from that point. See, I just want to kill you like dogs. Now, a lot of the films that were being done, I was there, you know. Zhong Lam Hoi Bo Biu. That's Korean uh, bodyguard from Beijing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the basement yeah. scene when nice thing has Kobe standing up. I'm standing yeah, yeah. right there on the side while he's fighting Jet Li. You're like, him and I are brothers, you know, same birthday, same age. We're like, we were inseparable in Hong Kong. I owe him the most for helping me get through a lot of the, the hard work in Hong Kong. He really yeah. helped me. And so good as well, even in, uh, gosh, he's oh. Flashpoint as well. That yeah, Donnie he's, a, he's gosh, amazing. He's so amazing. good. He's so such good. a kind guy too. Yeah, yeah. So who impressed you the most outside of Samo? The people that you met and worked with in Hong Kong? Because you did meet Lam Ching Ying as well. We should I work with him. him. I mean, yeah, he worked with, with Lam Ching Ying, yep. yeah. Yeah, I worked with him in, uh, in Gambling Ghosts. Yeah, he was very. Yeah. Samuel always told me he was like Lam Ching Ying. Oh my God! I'm like, really? He's like, he's the best, the number one. I was like, what? He was like, his Wing Chun cannot be touched. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God! And then uh, I never forget it when we were on Gambling Ghost. I was like, you know, it's an honor to meet you. He was like, really? I said, come on, let's go. And then he took me to lunch every day. I was like, oh my oh, God, wow. this is incredible, you know? He's talking yeah. about Prodigal Son and things of that nature. Wow. But who I was really close with out there, it was a, so there was a click of us. And it was, it was always the group. It was Samo, it was uh, Colin, Colin Cho, nice thing. Yeah. It was Leung Kayan, Beardy, as they say, Leung Kayan. Yeah, Leung Kayan. Yeah. And Samo were. Best. Yeah, they're very close. Inseparable. Yeah, yeah. Every single day. He's my yeah. I call him uncle, you know. So so um and uh Cho Wing him, me, that's that and 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 Lao Kawe, Lang's yeah. brother. Yeah. The group, you know, they're all Samo's like closest allies. And so 
those were the people who I hung with every single day. But people that would come to the office every day, Chong Fa, um, Cheng Yong Sheng, you know, just I can't even begin to tell you everybody that walked through the office every day. You know, just, just, just legends, the the, the cream you know, of the crop. I, I never forget. I was I went to Planet Hollywood for a meeting, and nobody was in there. I got there early, and then the only person that walked in was Anita Moy, and like wow, I had the hugest crush on her. You know, I mean, imaginable. And I'll never forget that. And she's like, hello, how are you? And I'm like, oh my God, you speak English too, wonderful. And then we started talking and then, and then I told her who I was and then I was here with Samuel and everything. She was very, very kind, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but everybody knows that, you know, that situation that happened with her happened at Samuel's club, take one. Mm, in Hong Kong. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Have you yeah. seen the biopic? They've made a biopic of her, her life. Uh, I, saw, I saw it recently. No, I yeah. didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. I definitely want to see that. It's good. Yeah, it does show that... Um, that's that sequence it's a lovely it's a it's a love letter to hong kong as well and hong kong movies and the, yeah. the, the culture there it's really it is it is a very it's it's a nice movie i was blubbering as well just everyone yeah. was crying in the i cinema. mean she she was such a she was such a warm person you know yeah charisma yeah. you know how they say when bruce lee walked into a room he just he just it just got silent it's yeah. charisma that just came off of him that was the same for her yeah. she just she just exuded that charisma and just a certain zine quality that that yeah. nobody had you know yeah. and it was actually through her that i met uh leslie chelm you know yeah uh, yeah before he died you know so I, I'm, yeah. I was very fortunate to to know these individuals as a as a as an african-american guy from the ghetto make it to to that level in hong kong you know i'll never you know i realize that there is a god yeah. because that's the only way that that happens yeah, it's a it's an absolute you know dream come true kind of uh, yeah. story, isn't it? Yeah. When you get back to the states, then okay, so this is post uh, handover. So um, also, we should say that your learning skills behind the camera when you're you know working with Samo, aren't you? So your yeah. assistant choreographer mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and you know you're developing skills mm-hmm. in in those areas as well. Because I know you did start working behind the scenes a lot a lot more when you landed. Was that your goal? pretty much immediately well, my, then to, to do that yeah so i knew that i was back here in the americas and that i had to kind of like pay my dues in the director field to kind of get where i needed to be as a full-time director yeah. so when i came back i met a guy his name is nick quested uh, most of you he's actually he's goldcrest studios uh and they have a london office and they have one in new york uh, they're a yeah. post-production facility and nick was a big fan of uh of um kung fu movies yeah. And uh, at the time, uh, he was a big time music video director. He was like the number two next to Hype Williams, working with all the rap artists, you name it. And uh, he was like, well, why don't you start working with me? And he, st- he hired me as a second unit director on music videos. So I did um, a lot of, uh, I did Paula Cole, Metallica, DMX, Eve, The Locks. Uh, E17, yeah. Drew Hill. I did all Drew Hill stuff. I just and I, I got a name for myself in that respect, being a, a working in music videos. Yeah. Um, and then that that parlayed into other films. I, I'll never forget this guy named John Lee. Uh, he came and he was a uh, right out of film school, and he was like he wanted to do a film, a Korean gangster film in New York. It was called uh, The Cut Runs Deep, uh, and he didn't really know anybody, so I helped him cast the film. I helped direct the film i have produced the film 
and ended up becoming uh, one of the highest grossing films in Korean box office history. Uh, and it solidified John's career forever. Uh, he ended up doing another film which broke that box office record and like, he's one of Korea's top uh, directors now. So I was very honored to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I just started doing small independent films, things of that nature until I started getting opportunities to kind of do my own work. We should mention The Corrupter as well, because I know you worked with uh, uh, yes. and Fat on yes. that movie, Mark yeah, Wahlberg, yeah. obviously, in that movie. And that was because of my allegiance in Hong Kong, you know. Uh, friends of his, friends of mine, and they were like, with, with Charles there, I met him in New York, and he was like, nope, from this point on, you're with me. So I was his assistant, yeah. interpreter, wherever he went, I went, you know. That was crazy. That was a, that was forty million dollar film. Oh my god, that was forty million dollar film. It was just huge production in New York yeah. City. Huge, mega huge production. So yeah, I was very fortunate to be his assistant in that too. What's the dream project for you now? Then do you still you still have ideas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, projects that you want to get off the ground? Yeah. So there's 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 really three that yeah. I want to do the first one would be a remake of the five deadly venoms but use western actors and use the existing venoms as like the ones who teach them yes. here in america yes. to kind of draw it together but you yeah. know use today's sensibilities with film make it more gothamy as yeah. opposed to you know what i mean more yeah. ethnic involvement a, a black a black kid a, a white girl or, Asian kid, a Latino, you know, make it more inclusive. Yep. Um, and I think that that could work. You know, Lomong, Lufang, Kwok Choi, they all want to be involved in that. It's just, yeah. you know, finding the right investors to want to fund something like that, you know. Um, the second one would be uh, what Stallone did. He did a very good idea when he did The Expendables. Um, and I would like to do something with that for the martial artists from the 80s and 90s and also include the new generation. I feel as yeah. though that's a, a formulaic type of a film that could that could continually go a, a one and a two and a three, you know, while we're all still alive, you know. Yeah. We'll do this something, you know. Yeah. Because that's it, you know. Once 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 everybody checks out, that you don't preserve history that way. Yeah. So I, yeah. something loosely like that. And then I wanted to do a remake of uh Three the Hard Way. I yeah, thought that, that okay. The Jim Jim Kelly yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but 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 use like Maurice Crump from the yeah. particular, you know, just, yeah. just updated to that to that to that level now. Yeah. So those are the three three pet projects that I I envision wanting to do. Do you still get inspired by, you know, when you see martial arts movies nowadays? So I just finished doing a film called Shadow Fist Two, which is basically an homage to Shaw Brothers. So it's real yeah. Shaw Brother esque. But I see that that's a things have changed. Yeah. So Right now, it's about you got wires, you got tricks. Um, and I think that right now, martial arts films leans a little bit too much toward the breakdancing, capoeira, uh, tricking. They lean in a little bit too much to that and not so much pure martial arts. The only individual who I think right now has the right button is my big brother, Daigor, Andy Chang. He knows yeah. how to kind of like make it work, you know, uh, Into the Badlands, still my number one series of all times, which I, I just I was hoping that they would 
but Netflix would pick it up from AMC and, and kind of continue that on because that, that was really probably one of the best series that show Hong Kong style action with Western actors that I've ever seen done. Yeah. Like Andy yeah. Chang really put his foot down with that, you know. He works on Shang Chi as well. That's some great Shang fight Chi, choreography in that. Yeah. I mean, just you he's like he's brilliant. He's like number yeah. one in my book, you know. I, I talked to him, I, I said him, I said, Listen, my bucket list. Bucket list before Absolutely. I get out of here. Co- collaboration. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're 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 in talks to kind of do something soon. But right. um yeah, I just think that it's a phase right now that everything is is tricking and you you got to do three kicks three somersaults before you do a kick all that stuff but yeah. i want to keep the the true essence of martial arts films still somewhat balanced and level in that respect so that's why when i do films now i just don't replicate hong kong action i like yeah. to do films where martial arts is a footnote as opposed to it being just the premise yeah. You know, anybody can do fight scenes, you know, you can do and they can be the best fight scenes. But if there's no story value, repetitively watching those fight scenes, eventually they'll go stale and you'll move on to I want to see another fight scene. But I, I, I tend to lean myself to more story driven content, you know, yeah. as opposed yeah. to that. And that's that's kind of where I'm gearing in on now. You know, you were involved in the golden age of Hong Kong action cinema. But that stuff is still really inspiring today. Like you look at um, Chad Stahelski and his John Wick films. Yes. You know, he is directly referring back to the work of Samo and Jackie. Right. So you must feel incredibly proud that you, you're a part of that history. It's history. You know, you're a part it, of it's that It's history. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I just don't, don't I'm not going to say I don't realize it or anything like that, but others realize it and they be like do you realize what you've done and yeah. and like seriously like wow like you yeah and you're still doing it you know 30 years later you're still doing action films i mean wow you know incredible yeah I, you know i'm I, I realize i'm fortunate and I, I and again that's why i like to pay it forward now you know yeah. and, and help young people because you know no one beats father time let's just face it father time is the heavyweight champ the middleweight yeah. champ the yeah. featherweight champ that's it. it. Nobody beats Father Time. So you know, my my thinking is this: it's not it's not the date you get here, nor the date you leave, because that's written. You just don't know it. It's the line that connects both points. That's where you'll be remembered, and that's why I continually try to do good on that line, so that my legacy that I leave behind will inspire others. You know, especially people of color. You know, if I can be inspirational to a young kid from the ghetto, that that feels as like there's no out well take a look at what he did there is an out yeah. there is a way and so that's that's pretty much and that goes for the latin community and, and asian community, any other community where there's yeah. plight you know bobby thank you so much for your time today this has been uh, it's been a real honor and a treat to, to chat to oh you, man so, i hope uh, i hope i hope it was great for you because yeah I, this. I definitely did i appreciate you okay thank Shout you so out much to bobby London. I love you guys over in the uk thank you so much for your support couldn't do it without you Awesome. Thanks, Bowie. You take care. Bye bye. Ciao. Peace. Robert Samuels there, the great Bobby Samuels. I really enjoyed that. I hope that you did too. So many great stories there about working in Hong Kong and living with Samo and getting to know all those incredible stars from that era. 
Reviews of Bobby's big Hong Kong movies can be found on our website, kungfumovieguide.com. Links to all of those in the description. So that's links to Gambling Ghost, The Red Wolf, and also Don't Give a Damn. A quick note on the British titles of some of those movies mentioned earlier, particularly the Shaw Brothers titles. I think we said there that Five Fingers of Death is uh, known as King Boxer over here. Also, Five Masters of Death, that's known as Five Shaolin Masters. Reviews of both of those are also available on our website. Duel of the Iron Fist is known as simply the Duel. Uh, The Savage Five is fine, that's just known as the Savage Five, as is the Stranger and the Gunfighter. Well worth looking into that one, that's the Spaghetti Western Kung Fu hybrid movie from 1974. It's got Low Lay with uh, Lee Van Cleef in that movie. I will also add links to some of Bobby's short films that are available on YouTube, especially his films Shadow Fist and Shadow Fist 2. Shadow Fist 2 has literally just landed on YouTube a couple of weeks back. Those are great homages to old-school Shaw Brothers-style kung fu action. I really enjoyed watching those, so go and check those out and i'll also add a link to bobby's crime thriller ugando con fuego that is spanish for playing with fire that's the more contemporary action performance that bobby was talking about during our conversation and again well worth a look some great action in that one made in chinatown there's a review on kungfumovieguide.com for that one, I'll also add the link to this description. Made in Chinatown is Bobby's feature film directorial debut, co-directing with James Liu, and that is available now on digital platforms. Keep up to date with all the latest Robert Samuels news by following him on Instagram. He is at Samuels underscore R, as in the letter R, and he is also on Facebook at Robert Bobby Samuels. And that is about it for today. A huge thank you to Robert Samuels for taking the time to talk to me for today's episode. And a huge thank you to you, the loyal Foo follower who has listened all the way to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much. We will now be taking a brief pause in proceedings until our end of year special, which will land around the week of Christmas. Just keeping those dates pretty vague for the moment as we're in prep for that show however do keep it locked to all the usual kfmg pod channels on social media to find out all the latest updates regarding this show and once again if you would like to take part in that episode then please do get in touch with me send me your favorite fight films of the year and the reasons why and your message could be read out on our end of year show it's as simple as that follow the link in the description for the full list of 2022 releases and send all your correspondence to the usual address hello at kungfumovieguide.com or over social media we are on twitter instagram and facebook until we meet again thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show please do take care stay safe be well and i will speak to you all again very soon on the kung fu movie guide podcast Bye for now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.